Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. All right, how's everybody doing? Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, almost Merry Christmas, about a week away. Great to see everyone. Hey, can you please help me welcome in all of our locations right now and those watching online, we're really glad that you're with us this weekend. And uh, just a, a couple of things, I know that Pastor Keith was talking about this, but just a couple of things to remember about the Christmas services this week, okay? Um, a, a, a lot of the services are already sold out, but that doesn't mean that you can't get in, okay? So we have about 35,000 tickets available. Uh, next week, we have 10 services, and uh, we're opening up the nosebleeds and everything that we can do uh, to get as many people in as possible. Um, if you have tickets, here's another thing that'll be going on this week. If you have uh, your free tickets, but you're not gonna attend that service, or if like, you know, you got five tickets, but only three of y'all are going, please, please, please help us out and go online and turn those tickets back in. You can exchange tickets, turn them back in or get different ones online. So it's very, very important because there are people trying to get in services and online it'll say sold out. And so if, if, if you don't turn your tickets back in, you're keeping somebody out of uh, the building uh, or you could be keeping somebody out of the building. And then remember, those tickets are good up uh, until the, the showtime. And then after that, if we have any available seating, um, we'll try to get as many people in as possible. So what those tickets do, they, they reserve you seats for sure um, for that service, as long as you can get here uh, by showtime. You know, we're, 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 we're good people to work with. We're flexible. But uh, Christmas can be crazy. How many of y'all know Christmas can be crazy? It can be crazy out there, okay? So we don't want any fistfights out in the parking lot. We don't want people hollering at people in the, you know, you're trying to hold down eight seats and it's like 15 minutes after showtime and there's 200 people outside waiting to get in. So please help us out. But like some of those services that are sold out right now, you might go online tonight or tomorrow and all of a sudden there's seats available because people are exchanging their tickets or turning some in and getting some for a different time. So everybody good on that? All right, okay, well it's gonna be a great, week next week. And speaking of that, I'm speaking all services, all 10 of them next week, live right here. And so I'm not speaking this weekend, okay? How many of you know pastor needs to keep his sanity around? I need to know who I am and who my wife and kids are on Christmas morning. And so I'm not preaching this weekend, um, but I'll be, be speaking at all of the services in our Christmas production next week. But this weekend, man, I'm really, uh, really glad that you are gonna be able to hear from one of our pastors, and he's not just one of our pastors, but he is the pastor that founded Celebration Church with me uh, over 17 years ago. Uh, many times when I'm not speaking, we have a lot of our, our youth pastors or up-and-coming campus pastors speak, and we have so many gifted uh, preachers and communicators, but I'm telling you, it's gonna be so good to hear today from a pastor who's been with us since the beginning. He's over all of, he's like the assistant pastor here, the, the head associate pastor here. He coaches our staff. He coaches all of our, our young pastors. And most of you guys know him and love him. We started out together. We, we, we were friends before we were saved. We were both bouncers at a bar in Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana. That's why I've taken up weightlifting again because Chris has been 
constantly dogging me about how I'm getting flabby and small and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, but he's a great guy. We got saved together in that scene and uh, we've been in it since day one together. His wife, Ashley, my wife, Carrie, are the best of friends as well. And uh, you're such a great friend, Pastor Chris. I'm so glad that you're preaching today. Come on, celebration. Give it up for Pastor Chris Brooks, man. What an awesome man of God. What an awesome friend. All right. Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Well, I want to greet the campuses. Come on, let's put our hands together for OP and Johnson Creek out there. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus. Getting ready for Christmas. How many know he's what it's all about? Amen. I want to speak to you this morning on the topic, the goodness of God. The goodness of God. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, and in this passage, Moses meets with God. And he, he tells God, he says, show me your glory. And the Lord answers, he says, I will make all my goodness. Come on, say, my goodness. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Think about how the Lord reveals himself he described himself to Moses in this passage, in this text. He said, all my goodness is gonna pass before you. He didn't say my holiness. He didn't say my wrath, my anger, my majesty. He said, I'm gonna make all of my goodness pass before you. And then if you go on and read the rest of the passage, he says, you can't see my face. He said, I'm gonna hide you in this rock, and when I pass over you, the Lord says, I'm gonna put my hand over you, I'm gonna pass over you, and you'll just see my back. And it just reads like his goodness is so wonderful, it's so powerful that he can't even see it all. That's the goodness of God. And so it seems cliche today, we say, oh, God is so good, but sometimes we forget about the, one of the most important attributes of God, and that's his goodness, his very essence, is goodness, everything about him is goodness. And David said this, he said, surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How many of you know God's goodness is chasing you down in your life? His mercy is following you. And Psalm 33 says this, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The scripture says in Psalm 52, the goodness of God endures continually. I like this verse as we head in to finish up 2016. It says, you crown your year with goodness. What a great verse for the end of the year. You crown your year with goodness and your paths drip with abundance. Psalm 65. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Look, as we pray together, I wanna do something a little different. You can bow your heads and, and close your eyes. And I, as you go to the Lord, before you begin to pray with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, what do you think about when you think about God? What's the mental image you have of God? Is he a loving father with his arms open wide? Does he have a smile on his face? Does he seem harsh, angry, distant? Does he seem like a grandfather type that's a pushover, that makes you whatever you want him to be? Does he seem like an impersonal force? What's that mental picture 
that you see of the Lord this morning. A.W. Tozer says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's more important than our IQ, than our background, our knowledge. How do you picture God? Father, we just thank you that you love us today, God, and that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in a time of need, God, that, God, when we call out to you, God, you hear us, that you love us, that you're for us. And our prayer this morning is that we will leave this service changed and closer to you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about the goodness of God. I want that to be your mental picture by the time you leave this morning. And I want to give you five lies that distract us from the goodness of God. How many of you know we have a spiritual enemy? Yes, and he wants, he, the Bible says he's the father of lies. And he wants to, to distract us from believing and walking in the goodness of God. He wants you to have a wrong mental picture of God. And I'm gonna give you five lies, if you wanna write them down, that distract us from the goodness of God. And the first one is that my life should be easy and fair. I just feel like my life is supposed to be easy and fair. In other words, if I do the right thing, God's always gonna protect me from pain and suffering. And sometimes we feel like God is like a, it's like a formula, that if we do this, God's always gonna do that. I found out God's not a formula. Life is not a formula, and I learned early on that Life's not always gonna be easy, and life is not always gonna be fair. I remember uh, as a young man, uh, I, you know, I worked at the bar with, with Pastor Stovall. He was much worse of a person than I was. Just let it be known <laughs> as I'm preaching this morning. He tries to joke, but it wasn't even close, okay? So, you know, I, I, I got saved, and when I graduated, I went, ended up going to LSU Law School. Somehow I had good enough grades, staying up all night as a bouncer to get in school, but I went to law school and, and I, I made good grades. I was in the top quarter of my class, but I just felt like I was supposed to do something different. I felt like I was supposed to be in the ministry, be a, to be a pastor, and so, I mean, I just, it's, it's crazy to think about now, but I just walked out of law school one day. I just told my professor, I said, hey, uh, I'm gonna go be, be a pastor. She's like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> You know, and so I, I did, you know, and I just went home. <laughs> I just went home. I just began to, to pray and read my Bible and read books. And I was just, somehow I thought I'd, you know, try to be a pastor. But then, you know, after a little, after a few, I said, I, I don't have any money. I, I think I have to get a job, you, you, you know. And of course, I, I, thought, I thought I'd just roll up to church and they'd hire me. But it didn't work out that way, you, you, you know. And so, I mean, I, I got a job. And the job I ended up getting was as a chemical plant down in Baton Rouge on the river, and I worked the night shift. I drove trains around and, and filled them up with plastic. What drives a train is a thing called a track mobile, and I, I drove it around and loaded these train cars with plastic, and my, my uh, shift was 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., the night shift most of the time. Man, and I remember I would be the middle of the night, and, and sometimes I would be bored. I'd carry a little thing with scriptures. I'd be trying to memorize them. I'd be trying to pray and move these trains around, and, but I had one thing that kept me going, the hot light at Krispy Kreme. Come on, somebody. 
Because I would, as soon as I got off work, I would clock out and I would look for that hot light, man. <laughs> that's, the, that's what kept me going. But so I had this job, I mean, I, I didn't like it. I mean, I didn't like this job. I said, man, I thought life was gonna be easy when I get saved. I thought life was gonna be easy when I started to follow God. And yeah, you know, and, and then it, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of the night, I'm loading these trains at night, man. I'm just, and, and so then I, I had, I was supposed to be, Driving this train, and the guy who helped me, he parked a train too close to the, to the V in the tracks, and I was driving it, and I had a train wreck. For real. I bet you don't know too many people that's wrecked a train in your life. I have wrecked a train. Yeah, so it was a massive wreck. I mean, for real. It was a huge crash in these plants. It's all about safety. If you've ever been around a plant, and they have these signs that says, 360 days since the last accident. You know, not on my watch. I wrecked a train, friend. And like, and, and, so, <laughs> and so sirens went off. People are running all around. I had an LSU football shirt on and people were saying, I think an LSU football player wrecked a train. It's a crisis, <laughs> you know? And so I went in the next morning and my boss, his name was Herman. Now listen, if your name's Herman, it's a good name. I like your name, but I didn't like this Herman. <laughs> so I went in there and, and Herman, Herman's like, uh, son, you're fired. <laughs> I, I said, man, that's not fair. I, I um, you know, he, he was supposed to spot the train. He goes, the track mobile cost over $100,000, you're fired. I was like, man, I guess it can't get any worse. You know, and so, so I, I went home, I'm like, Man, at this point, I'm just broken. The only job I could get now was like waiting tables. I was a horrible waiter. I, mean, I made no money doing that. And I opened up the gym at 5.30 in the morning. I was a waiter and, and I was just going through. I said, man, I, I was gonna be a lawyer and then I thought I was gonna be a pastor. I got fired with the train wreck. You, you know, now I'm a bad waiter. <laughs> I'm opening up the gym. I was like, God, what are you doing? And I, I just, I used to have, the, I had this big closet in the house I was renting and I used to get up in the morning, you know, and I would just, I'd crawl in this big closet and just cry out and pray. I had a little, little radio in there. We used to call them a ghetto blaster. I had a little ghetto blaster in there. Turned that thing on with some uh, hymns. <laughs> listen, I'm an old man. I listened to hymns. I barely had contemporary music back then. Yeah, you know, uh, I'd turn that on. I would just lay in there and just, man, I, I'd just cry out to God. I was broken. You know, and I learned that life is not always easy and life's not fair. I would, I would land there and I would cry. It's unfair, God. You know, what are you doing? I thought I, I was supposed to follow you. I'm trying as hard as I can to follow you. But then I ended up getting a job in New Orleans. This, let me, let me show you how God works. I get this job in New Orleans and I was an environmental contractor. I hired envir environmental contractors. And so about a year after I was, about a year after Herman fired me, I began to hire people, guess where? The same chemical plant that I got fired from. I said, take that, Herman. <laughs> I got fired and now I'm doing the hiring. How many of you know that's the goodness of God? Come on, y'all. So listen, life can be hard, can it? But God is good. Come on, let's say that. Life can be hard, but God is good. We can expect problems, but we can expect power. Because Jesus said this, he said, in me, 
you will have peace. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Jesus said, he didn't say, in this world, everything's going to be fair. It's going to be easy. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. He said, but take heart. He said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so, if it, listen, he wouldn't have called, if you read Revelation, it says, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes. Listen, if we weren't going to be overcomers, if we didn't have things to overcome, he would have never said, we got to overcome problems. Amen? I like what Peter says. He says this, beloved, do not think it strange. I like the King James version. It says, think it not strange. Come on, say, think it not strange. You know, and so it says, think it not strange. Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as something strange, some strange thing. We have a problem and we think, oh, it's so strange. Like, let me call my friend. I, I, I can't believe I have, I'm having this problem. I'm just shocked. It's, 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 life is hard. It's, it's not easy. I thought it was supposed to be so easy. You know, and so he says, don't think it's strange. Listen, we're gonna have problems, but we also can have power to overcome it in the midst of our problems, amen? Amen. And so I've learned life's not a formula. God's not a formula. It's called walking with God. It's following him. And so let's talk about fairness. Let's talk about fairness. We all love fairness, don't we? There's, we all have an internal code of right and wrong, and we don't like to see that violated. I don't like to see unfairness. You don't either. But listen, unfairness is going to touch all of us. None of us are going to escape life's unfairness. And if we don't have to like it, but if we don't, we're going to live as a victim mentality. And we have to accept that life is going to be unfair. And the Bible talks about beware lest a root of bitterness grow down in your heart. And the Bible talks about it'll defile many people. If you think that life's supposed to be fair and you're treated unfair and so now you're gonna take it personal, you're gonna start to question God, start to become a victim, listen, that root of bitterness can grow down inside. And so the Bible says beware. It's not, Jesus never said it was supposed to be fair. The truth is, we're gonna have problems. The truth is it's gonna be unfair. One day God's gonna sort it all out though, isn't it? He sees the end from the beginning. He's, he's, he, he's gonna sort it all out and, and, and the mountains are gonna be made flat. The crooked places are gonna be made straight and he's gonna sort it all out, but not now. It's, there's unfairness that's gonna happen. And so the goodness of God is passing by, but we miss it because we think it's supposed to be easy. The goodness of God is passing by and we miss it because we are comparing our life to someone else's. This, this idea of fairness, it gets even deeper when comparison gets in our life. I, I tell you, this comparison stuff, it's gotten a lot more difficult with social media the last few years. Used to, you just didn't know what was happening with everybody's life, right? You just didn't know. You, you know, but now we have what they call FOMO. Has anybody heard of this? Fear of missing out. 
Fear of missing out. So, so you, you're at work, man. It's, it's a bad day at work. You're up at 6 a.m. and you, know, you, you, you look at your phone and you, you go to Facebook. Oh, man, she's in the Bahamas. <laughs> I wish I was in the Bahamas. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at work today, man. It's bad. You know, so now I'm in a bad mood. You know, it's just not, that's not fair, you know? And it just, if we just let the, it'll just eat our lunch, guys. God is good. He loves us. His goodness is passing by in our life. But we're comparing. We think it's not fair. We think it's supposed to be easy. Listen, if we want to walk in freedom, we've got to have a different perspective. And so I heard a great quote about comparison. You may want to write this down. Comparison is at the core of carnality. His goodness is passing by, but you're comparing. Carnality, comparison is at the core of carnality. The scripture says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. The truth is this, guys. We are all on our own journey. You hear about one person doing that. You hear about someone else doing that. How do you know we all have our own path? We all have our own journey. God's doing something different in all of our life. And when we understand that and we come to him and we, we know that he's a loving father that sees the end from the beginning in our life, we don't have to have a fear of missing out. We know that he's in control. Listen, I tell people this. It's one thing to, to say, oh, God is in control. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's good. It's another thing to believe it. Come on, somebody. It's another thing to really believe God's in control. He's got it. He knows exactly where I'm at. And so the first lie is this idea of the life. My life's just supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be, I don't know what's, it's strange. Something, I'm shocked that I'm having these problems. And you're just missing out on the goodness of God. You're comparing. And so the second lie that distracts us from the goodness of God, come on, are you still with me? Say amen, Pastor Chris. The second lie is a religious lie. And a religious lie affects our spiritual health, okay? And this lie says this, I am only as good as what I do or accomplish. I'm only as good as what I do or accomplish. I believe my worth is determined by my performance. And so we believe this lie, we feel like we always feel like we have something to prove. It's we're just never good enough. This lie has to do with our identity. The, the problem is it's just never enough. And, and certainly we want to set goals. We want to accomplish things in our life. We want to be achievers in our life. Absolutely. But if we think that that's going to bring fulfillment, if we think that that's going to earn us points with God, then we're never gonna be fulfilled. In fact, if you read Ecclesiastes, Solomon did it all. He, he says, he said, I did everything my heart could wish. He said, anything that I could imagine, I had it. He built temples, houses, ships, armies, conquered 
he had it all, guys. And you know what he says? It's all what? Vanity. It's all meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless, says the preacher, it says. It's like chasing the wind. And at the end of Ecclesiastes, you can read it in chapter 12, it says this, this is the end of the whole matter. Fear God and, and, and keep his commandments. In other words, have a relationship with God. That's what's gonna make your life have purpose. It's not gonna be in all your accomplishments. And so certainly we wanna accomplish, but if we think our identity is it's gonna, we have something to prove, we're missing the goodness of God. And so you know what can happen? That can shift in. If you're a performer, you're trying to earn, you're try, you start to try to earn God's love. This is what can happen. I, when I got saved, here's what I remember. I remember I, well, I was a college student, I was at LSU, and I remember I had this little balcony at, in my little apartment. It was called Varn Villa. <laughs> it had, a, it had a, a cowboy motif, it was cool. I had cowboy stuff in there, it was Louisiana. Okay, and I'll never forget going, want, you know, wanting to go out on that little balcony and just wanting to yell out, I'm free. The things I remember, when I got saved, here's what I remember. His love changed my heart. It was his love, guys. I, t I, say, I tell people his love is the most powerful force in the universe. Don't ever underestimate the love of God. His love came and changed my life, changed my heart, and I felt free. I wanted to go out on that little apartment and just yell out, I'm free. I'm free from the bondage of sin. I'm free from trying to be someone I'm not. I'm free, I don't have to wear a mask. I can follow Jesus. His love has changed me. His love has set me free. And I experienced freedom and joy, unspeakable, full of glory when I got saved, man. That's how I felt, man. I had no idea that Jesus could set you free like that. But you know what happened if you're not careful? You know you can't earn salvation. It's free. You're saved by grace through faith. But then what happens is it can start to creep into your life. And now you're trying to earn his love. If I just read more, if I pray more, if I fast more, now he'll love me more. And so how do you know if you're in this performing? I am what I can do and accomplish. I'm trying to earn God's love. How do you know you start to get wore out? And the temptation is just to quit because you ne it's never enough. You start to lose that joy that you had. The joy of the Lord is my strength, but now it's starting to get lost a little bit. The scripture says this in Galatians. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty with which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. The goodness of God is passing by. He saved you. He's called you. He's, a, he's fathering you. But you're missing it because it's, you're, you're wrapped up in what you can accomplish, what you can do. Maybe you're wrapped up in how you look. My identity is in how I look. My identity is in the color of my skin. My identity is in my status. My identity is in this. I'm, if I can just do this, then I'll be a good person. Listen, you're missing out on grace. How many of you know it, we're, it's all level at the foot of the cross? We're all created in his image. Amen? And our identity is that you're a daughter of God. My identity is that I'm a son of God. Amen? 
and, it's, it's, and I freely I received, freely I can give. I can't get entangled up in this earning and this performing for God. It causes me to miss out on his goodness. The third lie that distracts me from his goodness is this, I want it now. I want it now. Pastor Oval preached on this last week. He said, God's delays are not his denials. I want it now, man. I don't want to have to wait for the things I want. And it seems like this idea of delayed gratification, it gets worse every generation. So our grandparents may have worked a lifetime for something. Our parents may have worked years for something. We want it now. Our kids want it even faster. They, they want it now. It's just our culture. And, and so this idea of waiting, listen, here's the question. Can we wait? Here's the question. Are we willing to work? Here's the question. If, if we're not, are we missing out on the character development that God wants to do in our lives during the in-between years? during the process, or do we just want it now? Is he good and is his goodness passing by along the way, but we're missing it because we want it faster? I want it now. I, I don't want to wait. I, I'm comparing. I, I, I want it faster. I have good credit. Come on, somebody. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. <laughs> and so the, the, the lie is, I don't want to wait. The lie is, I want it now, but, but God, he's got you just where he wants you. He sees the end from the beginning of your life, but can we be thankful? The fourth lie is this, I can make it on my own. I can make it on my own. This one hits again, especially during the holidays. You know, the holidays, sometimes it, it just makes us feel lonely at times for some of us. And the Bible says, God sets the solitary in families. And so this is the lie. I really, I really don't fit in. This big old church and all these people, I'm not so sure I belong here. Some of y'all are asking today, y'all are asking yourselves, do I, do I really belong? You know, and, and so do I belong here? Sometimes there's even like a little a, a rejection issue that we all have to do with this at some points in our life. Do I really fit in? They just don't, no one cares if, I, if I'm here. No one cares if I join. At work, no one really cares if I'm there or not. At school, in my class, I, nobody really cares. I, I'm just gonna make it on my own. And here's what I know. The older I get and the longer I've walked with God, the more I understand and value the importance of community. Listen, we are safe in community. We are changed in community. We're healed in community. True life happens in community. And so there was a, there's a powerful quote I heard this year uh, by James Dobson, and, and he said this. He, he was speaking about uh, he was speaking about someone passing. He said. At the end of one's life, the most important thing is gonna be who you loved, who loved you, and what you did together for the service of the Lord. Think about that quote. It's not gonna be all your trophies. 
It's not going to be the high school football championship that's on your wall. It's not going to be any professional achievements. At the end of your life, it's going to be who you loved, who loved you, and what you did together in the service of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so we like to think we can make it our own. Listen, God has a way to send someone into your life to make your life wonderful. Look at the scripture. It says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. That speaks to me that someone's main, they're born, someone's main assignment in your life is to help you in, your, in a time of adversity. One of their main assignments is gonna be to come along. God loves you so much. He's that good to you that, that he's gonna have, someone's main assignment is gonna come by and help you in a time of need. That's his goodness. But some of them are missing it because we say, I, I don't, I'm good. I'm gonna make it on my own. You're missing the blessings of God. And so another scripture says, in a multitude of counselors, there's, a, there's wisdom. Another translation said, a multitude of counselors, there's safety. And so listen, if you're not in community, if you're not connected to some friends, you're gonna miss out on the wisdom that you could have in your life. If you're not connected into a, a, some friends, you're gonna miss out on the safety that God has to protect you in your life. And so the, the fifth lie, are y'all still with me? Say amen. The fifth lie is this. The past predicts the future and people don't really change. The past predicts the future and people don't really change. Listen, this lie can make us disillusioned and cynical about people. And so we know that God can change a, a life. Listen, only God can take two bouncers and make them pastors. Come on, somebody. What? Listen, God can come into your heart. He can bring change, friends. We've got to give people grace to change. He changed us. Amen? How many of you know God does miracles? If we believe that the past predicts the future, people don't change, we can become a little disillusioned, we can become a little bit cynical, we can lose hope, and you know what? We're missing out on the goodness of God, of what he's doing. The goodness of God fills the earth, the Bible says. Listen, at the last few minutes, I don't want anyone to leave if you can be with me, but I, I wanna share a, a personal story with you guys. It, it's been a, a tough year for me personally, and I, I'm excited to share something with you guys today. Uh, my mom got real sick a few years ago, and I mean, she's been in and out of the hospital, and my, my dad died when I was uh, three years old, but my stepdad adopted me shortly after that, and uh, we had a tough relationship. And so he said, I sent you off to be a lawyer, and you came back a preacher. And he didn't understand, and we would argue, and it was, a, it, was a tough, it was a tough relationship over the years. But you know, I got saved, and he didn't understand my zeal for the Lord, he didn't understand what I wanted to do, but I just, I just kept praying for him. I'm telling you guys, I would intercede for my dad. I'd cry out for him, my family. And about 10 years ago, he got really sick, he got a disease. And it's, 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 he got this, this brain disease. And, and so I, I just kept, I kept praying for him, and in fact, what happened, 
he and his, there in his house up in North Carolina, once he passed out. And when he woke up, three days later in, in the hospital, he started saying that he saw a light and that he had an encounter with Jesus. And, I, and so he said, all he talked about was Jesus. Jesus this, Jesus that. I said, you yeah, talked about Jesus in 40 years. <laughs> but I didn't know what to think of it. I didn't know what to think of it, you, you know? So, so all he was doing was trying to read the Bible and talk about Jesus. Nurses, doctors, visitors, Jesus, Jesus. And so he passed away shortly after that. And I, I went up there to, to perform his funeral. And when I got to the, to the church, the pastor said, Chris, you come in here, I need to talk to you. He said, I was at the nursing home and I saw your dad in there reading his Bible. And he said, I went in there and, and, and I, to say hello. And he said he had some questions about the Bible. He said, I sat down with him and I went through some of the scriptures in Romans and, and I led him to the Lord and gave him assurance of salvation right there in the room. Listen. That's the goodness of God, friend. How many of you know God's a loving Father? He sees the end from the beginning in your life. He's a good God. And he can bring his goodness back around in your life in ways you can't see it. Listen, that was a 25-year prayer. I could have never imagined these things would happen. And we shared that at, at his funeral. And it, it's powerful. Listen, the scripture says this in Psalm 27. It says this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of God. Come on, let's all stand together. I wanna encourage you in God's goodness today. At OP, St. John's, come on, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Maybe you bow your head, close your eyes with me. Come on, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Come on, maybe you just wanna lift your hands up like this, like you're just gonna receive. I just wanna pray over you this morning as we go. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, I thank you that you love us, God. You know exactly where we are, Lord. I just pray you would reveal your goodness to me. I pray for right now, everybody under the sound of my voice, God, God, that any kind of blinders, any kind of just wrong thinking about you would be removed right now and they would see a loving Father that knows exactly where they are. God, you love us. You know exactly where we are, God. You, you're able to manifest and move and make your goodness happen in our life, God. And I just pray you give us eyes to see. God, I just thank you. You're gonna just, that your truth is gonna conquer every lie that's in our life. We are gonna walk in freedom we're gonna walk in faith, we're gonna walk in joy, and, and, and God, we just thank you right now that if we feel far from you, God, it's your goodness that brings us to repentance. And we just turn away from everything in our life, and we turn to you, Jesus. And we love you, thank you for making us new. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Amen, amen. come on, put your hands together for God. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.